from the gospel. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, keep our thoughts from wandering. Lord, cleanse our hearts that we may worship thee in spirit and in truth. And may all our hearts and minds be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Just a few weeks ago, my wife and I welcomed our new niece into the world, Bethany Rose Wall. (laughs) And she's very cute. (laughs) She is very precious. Um, My wife's sister's daughter. Uh, But she feels like she's my (laughs) niece as well. I love to hold her and I cannot get enough of it. And as I was holding her the other day, I was just thinking I was amazed at the miracle of children. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but I cannot get over the, the, what happens with child, with, with, when, when a child grows in the womb where there's the two elements from a mother and the father coming together to grow a child in the womb and it comes together to form a, a human child with arms and legs, with a heart and lungs, a brain. And I think most perplexing of all is the personality that comes with every child. You know, we plant a seed and we expect to get what we plant. We get a sunflower, we get roses, it just that's the physical aspect. But we never have a talking plant. Like that's the amazing thing about about uh about people is that we there's something about us that is different from everybody else. And I find that so incredible. So for nine months, we wait with hopeful expectation, wondering, what is she going to be like? (laughs) Is she going to like me? But that's besides the point. And nine months later, we we welcome this child into the world. And for the next 20 or so years, we, we get to witness our little Bethany Rose grow and transform. Her personality will grow. It will mature over time. She'll pick up hobbies. She'll grow out of old ones. And uh, she'll develop her own taste in music, books, TV shows, and movies. She'll pursue her life's calling or maybe abandon a one that she, you know, thinking about different ones. The key in all this, though, is that she will not stay the same. And that's a good thing. It's the same with all of us. We will not stay the same. Uh, it'll be a slow transformation. We don't stay babies. And it's, so it is with the Christian life. What does it have to do with the transfiguration? Well, this morning's readings plant us down in the story of a radical, quick, but short transformation. We encounter Jesus in St. Matthew's Gospel. He takes with him Peter, James, and John up onto a mountain, the inner circle. They go up onto a high mountain. In the Old Testament, that's where, that's where Moses met God, was on a high mountain. That's where you could expect to find your God. Well, specifically the true God. It's just the four of them together. We're barely into the story And something incredible happens. 
I can just imagine the disciples, they're huffing and puffing as they've made their way up a mountain. Maybe they're used to hiking up mountains. But I like to get creative with this story and think they're probably like, oh, okay, we're up here. And all of a sudden, Jesus is different. <laughs> There's light everywhere. He's transfigured before them. They don't have time to catch their breath and all of a sudden they're breathless again. Their heart's beating. What's going on here? He, he underwent a sort of metamorphosis. That's what the original Greek, that's, that's the actual word there behind transfigured. It's metamorphosis, metamorphosis, meaning there's a transformation that's occurring here. Just like when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, a metamorphosis. He was instantly transformed into something like a walking glow stick. Not to be irreverent, but I think that's a good way to think about it. Because his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. That's quite the description, isn't it? They didn't nearly know how to put in words. Shone like the sun. The sun is bright. It hurts to look at. And his clothes were white as light. Also bright. Probably hard to look at. No amount of bleach could do what his clothes looked like. Jesus in all of his glory appeared before the disciples, before these three disciples. But there's more to this story because St. Matthew records that Moses and Elijah appeared and talked with Jesus. It's really interesting. Peter, being Peter, hasty Peter, said to them, said to Jesus, should we erect three tents for you, for you and Moses and Elijah? And he didn't receive an answer because as he was speaking, a cloud rolled over, over top of them and a voice came out from the cloud, booming from heaven, declaring, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. <laughs> this is too much for the disciples. Whoops. <laughs> this is too much for them. They fall down in fear. They stick their heads on the ground. They, they're covering their, their heads. This is too much. They're terrified of what's happening. This booming voice. This is too much. It's no surprise really. They're experiencing. They're witnessing the glory of God. They're seeing Jesus glorified. And they're hearing the voice of God from heaven. There are many uh, Old Testament connections to divinity here. To, to, to show that this is God. Clouds. This is a common Old Testament image to show that God is present with his people. In fact, when Moses erected the tabernacle, God entered. That was meaning the glory of God entered into the tabernacle and Moses could not enter in because God was in the tabernacle. So here we are. We're seeing God appearing in the midst of the disciples. More importantly, in this narrative is the appearance of Elijah and Moses and this heavenly declaration. Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. They're the, the law and the prophets. All the Old Testament, in other words, is pointing toward this person that the disciples are seeing, transfigured, transformed, glorified. This is what, this is what the Old Testament is pointing toward. And God confirms it. This, he says, this is my son. In other words, this is the one who you've been waiting for. 
What does this all mean then? I think this is wonderful. Uh, wonderful uh, fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies and, and visions and, 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 and hopes. Like I said, when the glory of God entered into the tabernacle, into the, it's like the, the, the prefiguring of the temple, it entered into the tabernacle. Well, what's happening now? The glory of God returned. The glory of God returned to Israel, to the world, really. God had returned to Israel. And God was coming into the world. Jesus was showcased this day on the mountain to be, as the Nicene Creed puts it, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made. Jesus was shown to be God that day. This man who walked with the disciples for three years was not merely a human being. He was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. He was God made human. God with man. Both completely God and completely human. The account of the transfiguration of our Lord is the most explicit revelation of Jesus' divinity during his pre-resurrection ministry. It's the most explicit revelation of his divinity before his death. We really, they really get it after, after he's raised from the dead. But this is the most explicit. He's glorified. All the hopes of Israel and really all the hopes of the world are wrapped up in this man from Nazareth. The disciples witnessed that day that this man was more than a man. He was divine. He is God's son, and it's vital that all people listen to him. So again, what does this all mean? Why does it matter? It's a good question to ask, really. Why does this matter? Why did God declare Jesus' divinity before Peter, James, and John? There had to be a few witnesses, for now, to show that this Jesus is the real deal. He wasn't some fake news wingnut. <laughs> he wasn't out there preaching some uh, gospel that would never be fulfilled. The key reason for this awesome, and I mean this, this is a truly awe-inspiring moment. The reason was to undergird, to really give strength to, to drive home the point that God's plans are not human inventions. Further, the kingdom of God is not a human institution. It's not built by human hands, by sinful human hands anyways. It's the work of God alone. And this is what St. Peter writes in our epistle this morning. He, he writes that he and the other disciples, they didn't pledge allegiance to fake myths. They really had no idea what they were getting themselves into. He's defending the fact that we didn't make this up. One day we were minding our own business and this guy from Nazareth said, come on, let's go, follow me. And they witnessed a great miracle and they went. But th that's not the miracle, that's not what he talks about here. He talks about the transfiguration. They went along for the ride and they were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They saw Jesus receive honor 
and glory from God the Father. They heard that booming voice from heaven. They heard the words, this is my beloved son. And he says, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention. Believe what we saw, in other words. Believe what we say, in other words. Since we saw the declaration and confirmation that Jesus is not only a man, but also divine. Now here, here's what he says. He describes his testimony like a lamp shining into a dark place. This testimony, it's like a lamp in a dark place. Let the light of the world, in other words, be your guiding light. That's what he says. And this is, under, this is necessary. Understanding this principle is primary and necessary for believing Scripture. This is really what I want to get at this morning, is that no prophecy, this is what Peter says, no prophecy within Scripture is concocted within the brain of a human being. It is God's word. Yes, human beings wrote it down. Human beings said it. But it was from the mind of God. He was the one speaking, moving, inspiring people to write this down. Scripture can be trusted because it comes directly from God, despite his human helpers. And this is significant for my final point. We talked about the transfiguration, God's plan, Scripture. What, is, what does this all mean for us this morning? I want to step back a little bit to one of Peter's points, to his phrases. He implores believers, he, he implores them that, to hold on to the testimony in Scripture, to, to hold it close, hold it close to you, like a lamp in the darkness, like a flashlight. When you're walking around in the night, you're trying to find the light switch to get to the bathroom. Or get a, a glass of water. Think about it like that. We're living in a world of darkness. Let scripture be the light to you. I've already touched on that. But what he says is. Hold it close until the day dawns. And the morning star rises in your hearts. What does he mean by that? In a roundabout way. He's talking about the return of Christ. There's a trajectory for history. God is in control. The transfiguration shows us God's plan for humanity. It points to the greater purpose and the plan that God has for the world. What is this plan? We will be transformed. We will be made like Him. We will share in His glory. This is how the New Testament describes this event, this future glorious event. This is, this is, these are some verses. Behold, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Just as we have been born, of, just as we have borne the image of this man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that we might be the first, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he justified, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And finally, 
we all beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being transformed. This is, this is the original Greek word. Remember back in Matthew's Gospel. He was transfigured. It says metamorphosis. That's the original Greek. That same word is here for transformed. So the transfiguration is God's plan for the world. All things will be made new. Your banner says we are a new creation. And that will become to completion when Christ returns. That's what the transfiguration tells us this morning. We too will share in that same glory. And further, the same words will be declared over us. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. God's plans are not human made. We can trust his promises that we too will share in our Lord's glory. Do we trust do we trust that God's plans? Do we trust his promises? Do we trust that scripture is God's word? And do we take great comfort in that? I hope we will. I hope we do. Would we all take great comfort from that in this present darkness? And have hope until the day dawns and the morning star rises. Amen.